What's up, guys, and welcome to MCS Podcast number 289. Have you ever wondered when you might choose a paring knife to defend your life in a quote-unquote knife fight? Well, that's what we're going to talk about today, the tactical fruit knife craze, the Pical fruit knife. Uh, before we go any farther, make sure to download your one-page handy-dandy cheat sheet from mcsmagazine.com slash 289. Uh, we've done all the heavy lifting for you, so you don't have to worry about taking any notes. Just go there and download it. All right, without any further ado, let's talk tactical pairing knives. Tactical firearms training, urban survival, close quarters combat. This, this is another podcast to help you better prepare for any threat you may face in your role as a protector and a patriot. This is Modern Combat and Survival. All right, we're back. This is Buck Green in for Jeff Anderson. You've heard me before on these uh, podcasts, and of course I always love taking the knife topics because they're near and dear to my heart. I thought we would organize this into a just-the-facts, ma'am, kind of uh, format today for uh, the Pical Fruit Knife. We're going to go over what, when, why, how, and where when it comes to these. Um, the Pical refers to a specific type of I guess you could call it knife fighting, although that kind of conjures up dueling. What we're really talking about is using a knife to impart force to another person. So the Pical fruit knife is part of a relatively recent trend in the knife world. It's kind of funny. I remember a knife company that did an ad a while back for a very expensive knife. And the ads were a little on the offensive side because the copy went something like, You've never had to defend your family. You've never fought for your life in combat. You've never placed high-speed, low-drag operator thing here. We can tell because of the knives you buy. And the idea was, uh, unless you buy this $400 semi-custom knife, you're not a real knife person and you don't take self-defense seriously. Uh, fast forward to now, and now it's like the industry is telling you, if you're not using this sharpened stick... You're not a real hobo tactical operator. <laughs> and hobo tactical or tactical minimalism refers to these movements in the self-defense industry that stress doing more with much less. You know, anything you could find, anything you could put your hands on. I'm actually a big fan of the trend. I think it's very useful to teach self-defense skills, not with a specific knife, not with a specific type of knife even, not even necessarily with a knife, but any pointy object. As you can tell, as you might expect, that's really useful. You want to be able to defend yourself with absolutely anything that you can put your hands on. You don't want to be limited. Like, well, I would defend my life, but I don't have my $300 custom knife with me. Um, so overall, I think the trend is good. I, I do think it's possible to take the hobo tactical thing a little far. Um, you know, it. It's good whenever we introduce practical methods to the knife community, the self-defense community, the survivalist and prepper communities, the martial arts communities. All of these different segments kind of share an audience. There's a, there's a lot of, if you made it what's called a Venn diagram where the circles overlap, there's a lot of points of crossover among all those people. But I really think it's useful to focus on what's practical without overdoing it. And it is, once you get to the sharpened stick uh, territory, uh, it is possible to overdo it. I actually, as a joke, made a sharpened stick for a friend of mine and made a Kydex sheath for it. Uh, Kydex, if you are not aware because you've been living in an ice cave in New Zealand uh, for the last 20 years, Kydex is a thermoplastic material that's very easy to work, very easy to mold, and we're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about how that 
pertains to sheaths for these tactical pairing knives. Uh, the idea behind the Pical fruit knife, the tactical fruit knife, the defensive pairing knife, is that it's a small, disposable, ready, readily available knife. It is almost always legal because it's a common kitchen utensil. It's very available. You can, you know, right now I live just down the street from a grocery store where I know I could walk in and buy that knife or knives very similar to it all day long. Um, one of the more popular models for this that was popularized by the people who made this trend happen, the, the movers and shakers in the tactical and self-defense industry who uh, made this a thing, the, one of the knives that they made most popular was the Victorinox 40606 Bird's Beak Pairing Knife. Uh, that knife is, it's a really good knife. Um, it has a few qualities that make it suitable for modifying too. Another popular knife used for this method is the IKEA Scalad, S-K-A-L-A-D. Um, it's not as good in my opinion as the Victorinox because the handles are quite slippery. Um, you can add stuff to the handles. You can add shrink wrap. You can, you know, just wrap a rubber band around it. I've seen that done. Um, people sometimes take the Victorinox handle and grind an index finger notch into it or they stipple it. Um, the, the handle is not full tang. It's all plastic. So you can do a lot of modifying, including chopping a bunch of it off if you want. We'll, we'll get into that. But so that is the what of the Pical fruit knife. It is a small, readily available paring knife with a, with a very small blade. I think it's two and a quarter inches officially. Um, the bird's beak paring knife, it looks a little bit like a hawkbill blade, but it's not so curved that you can't stab with it. It's kind of the best of all possible worlds in that regard. It's a very short, curved little talon of a knife. Um, and it's a surprisingly good overall utility knife too. So why? Well, we already covered what. Before we get to why, let's get to when. When would you use a paring knife um, for self-defense? It's, it's mostly for what we call non-permissive environments, NPEs. That's the, the catchy industry term for it. Why would you carry an expensive knife that's just going to get taken away at a security checkpoint or in a place where you're not supposed to have it? Uh, many places you can have a paring knife where you couldn't have a weapon knife, a knife that is clearly designed only as a weapon because, again, the paring knife is something that people use for lunch. If if you regularly carry uh, an apple or, or another piece of fruit in your lunch and you throw in a, a paring knife, a lot of places you'll be able to get away with that where you wouldn't uh, in other scenarios. Um, a paring knife is very inexpensive, so if you had to lose it or if you knew you were headed to a, a place where they had security and you needed to get rid of it and you couldn't put it someplace uh, where you could come back for it, um, you know, you can just throw it away. You're out uh, less than $10 in most cases. I think the IKEA Scallop is more like a couple of bucks. The Victorinox is, uh, you see it online, retail for $8. Um, so it's, it's a nice knife. It's not very expensive. Um, you can even get some quantity deals and buy more than one pairing knife for you know what will end up being less than eight bucks each. Uh, I see it in these triple packs at the grocery store where it comes with like a a non-curved blade version and then a serrated uh, version. So it, it's available all over and it's very very uh, cost effective. Um, now. Clearly, it's not as sturdy as a combat knife or as a survival knife because, as I said, it's it's not full tang. Uh, but it is a really great little knife when you when you hold it. You really just want to use it for stuff. Um, I've seen people cut the handles down, cut them in half, cut them all the way, almost all the way off. You know, leave just a little bit to make it a much more compact little pocket uh, blade. Um, you know. You would think that would make it weak, but I've done some testing myself to see if I could 
pull the blade out of the plastic handle or snap it off. And what I ended up doing was breaking the blade of the knife by working the metal back and forth before I managed to get the knife out of the plastic. So they're the Victorinox ones, surprisingly strong. Uh, I think they hold up to the rigors of being used for imparting force if you had to do that. Now, as far as why, we, we've talked about the what and the when. The why is that this was popularized by prominent self-defense instructors, prominent survival and uh, counter-kidnapping people. People like Ed Calderon of Ed's Manifesto. He does a lot of counter-kidnapping work. He's big into, you know, actually testing weapons. He, he does these seminars where people test their knives against meat, um, you know, some sort of uh, edible meat medium that, they, that they're testing their blades in. Um, it's sort of become a tactical fad. Tactical fads fascinate me because I love the thought that this thing that uh, nobody thought of before suddenly becomes very popular. Um, for example, another tactical fad that we're seeing in the knife industry right now are spikes, uh, uh, ice picks, that kind of a thing. They have to recommend them the fact that the methodology you use with them is what you would use with any pointed object. Anything you found, a pair of scissors, anything would, would work with the same methods. They're very strong. They provide a lot of leverage. And I've seen a lot of people criticize spikes because whenever a tactical fad comes along, you'll get people who don't like the tactical fad and speak out against it. Uh, I remember when karambits first became all the rage. Uh, if you don't know, that is a curved knife intended for use in a reverse grip. Usually has a ring in the handle that you put your index finger through. Uh, and Cold Steel actually put out a whole article. They they had, I think it was in their special projects catalog, wherever it was that Lynn Thompson, the, the head of Cold Steel, would do editorials. He actually put out a whole editorial talking about why the karambit wasn't the best knife for, I guess, self-defense. Uh, and eventually, Cold Steel started making multiple karambit knife models. They bowed to the popularity of the fad or trend, which, in the case of the karambit, stopped being a fad or a trend and became sort of an institution in the knife world. So right now, the Pical fruit knife, the tactical pairing knife, that is a tactical fad. Uh, is it here to stay? Hard to say. I mean, it's certainly been around for a while uh, now. Uh, you know, I can't remember when I first heard of it, but it was some time ago, uh, and it's still with us and uh, still going strong. You can find people selling uh, modified uh, fruit knives online. You can find people selling sheaths for them online. Uh, you would normally use a knife like this in reverse grip uh, with the edge in, uh, and that is a specific methodology it appeals to those who are looking for a very efficient and practical, no frills knife method. Now, in a lot of cases, it's very thuggish looking. Um, it, I remember that book, uh, the knife fighting book, uh, put them down, take them out, knife fighting techniques from Folsom Prison. Uh, and, you know, that that puts a pretty fine point on it, you know, that, that that's what this is, is just no BS, uh, mess them up type methods. And this is the same type of thing. I think it appeals to the same people for the same reason. There's nothing wrong with that. You know, this is a very practical method, um, which does bring us to the how of the the tactical fruit knife. Um, I can't really teach you the whole of Pical knife fighting in a podcast, but the basics are, are pretty simple. You've got your, your paring knife. You're holding it in a reverse grip so that the blade is down. You've got your, you know, fist of death, death grip on the knife. You're not doing anything fancy. You're not twirling it around. You're just holding the knife in your fist with the edge uh, down and pointed towards you. That's so that you can use your support hand to 
sort of reach out and slap obstacles out of the way. So if you picture a guy's arms coming at you, you would use your support hand to knock his arms down and out of the way while striking down in a, in a downward arcing motion with your strong hand. You're using gravity. It's like doing a hammer fist, only there's a blade sticking out of the bottom of your hand. You're going to cut whatever you hit, and then you pull inward. Uh, that's where the term pakal uh, is from. It means to rip. You're, you're pushing down and ripping back towards you uh, and making a circular motion. So what you're going to do is you take your support hand and you make a circle and you take your knife hand and you make a circle. And I'm dating myself here with this reference, but if you've ever seen people do disco dancing, they do this thing where they take both fingers and they spin them around uh, over and over each other. Your hands are reciprocating over each other. So your support hand is clearing the road. Your knife is coming down, pulling back into you while your support hand is coming up, clearing the road. Your blade and your support hand are reciprocating over and over each other. And you're basically becoming a human sewing machine. You're puncturing and you're ripping and you're puncturing and you're ripping and you're just destroying whatever is in your path. It sounds brutal because it is brutal. It is a very brutal, pragmatic, practical method, and, and that's why it appeals to people. Uh, it's very effective. It, there's, you know, we're, we're not talking a lot about blocking and trapping and doing all these fancy things. Um, basically, the idea is to bring enough force to the other guy that he's worrying about what you're doing. You're not worrying about what he's doing. That brings us back to this whole idea of. Uh, I mentioned knife fighting techniques from Folsom Prison. They've done interviews with the most violent people in the world, convicted felons, violent people in prison for committing violent crimes. What they have in common in terms of their mindset is that they never see themselves as the victims. They did at least one study, probably more, and I don't remember the, the reference, but I do remember reading about this. They showed pictures of people being victimized by aggressors to people in prison. And they asked them to describe what they were seeing or they asked them to somehow indicate what they related to. Interestingly, if you or I were to engage in that experiment, often we would think of ourselves as the victim. We would often say, well, I wouldn't want somebody to attack me that way. We would identify with the person who was being assaulted. The violent prisoners almost always identified with the aggressor. They always saw themselves. They had the mindset of aggressive people who were doing things and other people were reacting to them. So the the really aggressive knife person is bringing force to the bad guy. He's taking the fight to the attacker. You've probably heard the phrase, attack the attacker. You're really putting the other guy on the defensive and you're not worrying about what he's going to do or try. These violent people don't worry about what you think you're going to do. They don't worry about how you might react. They have rehearsed and in many cases practically rehearsed in the real world how to do violence to other people. They do it the same way, in the same manner each time, and they don't they don't care what you think you're going to do to stop them. Uh, they just want to make their money, and if that means hurting you, then fine. So this sort of taps into that same very practical mindset, bringing force to the other guy with the cheapest uh, most effective tool available that is also kind of masquerading as something it's not. Now, I will say, if you have modified the fruit knife, if you've got a finger notch cut in the handle, if you've got a fancy sheath for it, um, you're obviously not going to fool anybody into thinking that this was, oh, I was just innocently packing my lunch knife and I happened to use it for self-defense. Um, you will have to face 
the evaluation of a judge and or a jury if you ever use a knife in self-defense. If you subscribe to you know this methodology, if they can show that you were into knives, that you posted in knife groups, they'll look at your Instagram account, your Facebook account, your all your other social media accounts. They will find a way to make you look like an evil knife fighter. And God help you if you trained in any of the practical knife fighting groups that are out there these days, the really good ones, you know, like, like Libre fighting and stuff like that. Heaven help you if you did that because they'll find a way to use it against you. Most people who do these things will tell you, look, I want to know how to defend myself in the most effective way possible, the most practical way possible, and then I'll deal with the legal fallout afterwards. Just know what you're doing. Know what you're getting into when you get into it. This is a very real trend. I talked to Jeff Anderson of Modern Combat and Survival about this idea. Um, and it was some time ago when we when this, this trend first hit the knife world. And when I first brought it up to him, he said, what now? Uh, and, you know, so, of course, since then, he's, he's quite uh, knowledgeable of the fact that it exists. But there was a time when nobody knew this was a thing. Uh, and I wasn't first to discover it by any means. You know, it was around for a long time before I became aware of it. And I was just as surprised as anybody else is when they first hear that pairing knives are the next big thing in the defensive knife world. Uh, but the fact is, it is popular. It is really a thing. And you should familiarize yourself with the trend. Now, if you're thinking, I like the sound of that, especially <laughs> at the price, because it's very affordable. Anybody can afford these. If you're thinking you like the sound of that, then if you want a Victorinox 40606 bird's beak pairing knife, they're available almost everywhere. They're Often they're available in your local grocery store. Um, they're available online. You can go to Etsy or eBay. Um, a lot of people are familiar with eBay. A lot of people aren't familiar with Etsy unless they're into crafts. I used to think of Etsy as a craft site. Um, I am, I'm going to tell you a little bit about myself. I'm a Star Wars nerd. And I actually bought a replica uh, Sith holocron from Etsy. It's a 3D printed thing that lights up. It's just a little pyramid that lights up. And it looks like something that, you know, the, the evil dark side of the Force people from Star Wars would have on their desk. And that's exactly where mine is on my desk. Um, that's what I thought Etsy was for, was stuff like that. Turns out it's a huge marketplace. Uh, they have really good customer protections built in. So if you have any doubts about shopping with Etsy, uh, I, I shop there all the time now. You may do so with confidence, but both on Etsy and eBay, if you search for Pical Knife or even uh, Pical Fruit Knife, I think Pical Knife is a very common search term, you will find sellers who sell the knives, uh, the knives with the handles modified, the Kydex sheaths, Kydex being a thermoplastic that you heat up, mold, and rivet um, so that you have a custom-made sheath. They're very common with knives today, but it's pretty easy to make your own, as it turns out. And unless you want to invest all the time and the tools to make your own Kydex, you just go to one of these sites on Etsy and you buy the sheath for the knife. You could buy the sheath by itself. You could buy the knife with the sheath. I've seen shoulder harness rigs that are available. Uh, I've seen training knives and training knife sheaths. So you, you can go whole hog and get yourself a whole setup, a, a knife and a sheath and a training knife and a training knife sheath. They're, they're obviously different because you know most training knives are not they're too wide to fit into the sheath that a live blade would fit into. And for safety reasons, you wouldn't want that anyway. So uh, you can get these 
anywhere. Plus, you can go full hobo tactical ghetto with this if you want. You can get any paring knife from any dollar store or any Walmart or, or any place where you would get a paring knife. You can make a sheath out of cardboard and duct tape, and people have been doing that for a very long time. However, and this was an idea popularized again by, by Ed Calderon and Ed's Manifesto, uh, which Ed's Manifesto is the name of Ed's blog, I believe, um, where he you know talks about various practical self-defense and counter-kidnapping methods. Uh, he, he was on Joe Rogan, I know, um, not that long ago. He's, he's pretty well known. And uh, we've talked with uh, uh, Libre Fighting before, and they are associated, the two of them, um, so it's all good stuff. These are good people who, who are doing good work. But one of the methods that uh, Ed's Manifesto made popular was you can take any piece of plastic with a cigarette lighter and melt it to make yourself like a ghetto sheet. That's like poor man's alley kydex. You know, you take the you take a piece of plastic bottle, you fold it over the knife, you melt the plastic and shape it until you can take the knife in and out of there and you have a very simple uh, uh, do-it-yourself sheath for your paring knife and you could even wrap it in duct tape or electrical tape or anything you wanted. You can wrap cord around it to make a static line. Static line is where you tie a cord to your belt or your belt loop and then you attach that to the sheath so that when you pull the knife out of your pocket, the sheath hits the end of the cord and stays behind and the knife comes out. You can tailor that to the length of your draw, the length of your arm. It's very customizable. So uh, one of the best applications for all of this is when you're flying somewhere. Um, a matter of fact, I just talked to a guy who did this very thing. He flew somewhere, and of course, you know, what's the rule? You have to strip naked and coat yourself in Perel if you don't want to get the coronavirus. And so you fly to where you're going, and you have, you're allowed a Ziploc bag for your carry-on, and so you, you get there with a washcloth and nothing else. <laughs> well, wherever you go, you're going to be able to find a paring knife of some kind. I know that the original concept behind the, the tactical fruit knife was you could buy a Kydex sheath, carry that, and then buy the knife that fits it when you get where you're going. That's not a terrible idea uh, because a piece of plastic you're going to be able to carry most places. However, be aware if it's identifiable as a knife sheath, the first question they're going to ask you at TSA is, where is the knife that fits this? They're going to be suspicious. So what you're probably better off doing for purposes of travel is finding a store that has paring knives, buying that, buying yourself a drink, drink the, oh, and a cigarette lighter, drink the drink, melt the plastic around the knife, make yourself an improvised sheath, and then when you go to fly back, uh, you're probably out, you know, under 10 bucks for this whole operation, especially if you hit up like a dollar store, so you just throw it away, or you leave it with somebody. Um, it, it's a really great practical take, and I find it, it really provides me with a good deal of mental peace of mind, knowing that Instead of needing a specific tool, like we all have that friend who feels naked when he can't take his gun somewhere, you know, and there's plenty of places you can't take your gun when you travel out of state, when you go to certain properties and places like federal buildings and stuff where they're not allowed. Well, especially when you're traveling and you don't like the thought of being unarmed, knowing that you have a plan for how you would get armed and how you would, you know, use these down and dirty methods to equip yourself, it's very reassuring. And then it's also a great way to equip yourself with an inexpensive but pretty slick knife. You know, you, you buy the knife, maybe with the, the notch in the handle, you buy the Kydex sheath from Etsy or from eBay, and you have a nice rig, you can customize it. I like to take uh, uh, skull beads that you can buy and, and tie them to the static cord for the sheath and make myself, you know, this cool sort of, uh, uh, I'm a cool skull guy kind of tactical knife package. But the whole thing is so inexpensive 
you lose it, you give it away to somebody. You, you know, you, uh, I lost mine in my car one day. It fell out of my pocket and was on the floor of my car, and I found it two days later. But I had already replaced it. I'm like, I don't know what happened to that, and I hope it's not lying around for the neighborhood kids to play with, but at least I'm not out a whole lot of money. So for those of us who are budget conscious, this fruit knife thing, very much a great idea. Um, and that is pretty much the what, when, why, how, and where of the Pical fruit knife, the tactical pairing knife. Um, so go forth and equip yourself if you are so inclined. And until next time, this is Buck Green for Jeff Anderson and MCS Magazine saying prepare, train, and survive. modern combat and survival we hope you've enjoyed the show you can help us out by rating our podcast on itunes and leaving a comment you can check us out on facebook at facebook.com backslash modern combat and survival and don't forget to claim your free subscription to modern combat and survival magazine at www.moderncombatandsurvival.com lock and load and we'll see you next time This has been Modern Combat and Survival.